When you're a single parent, there can be a lot going on from managing money to growing your career or business while parenting, dating, and finding time for yourself. How can you create a great life and actually have fun doing it? That's the question we're here to answer. Welcome to Single and Mighty, the podcast where we believe single parents deserve to lead mighty lives. Here's a little bit about us, your hosts. I'm Carmel Ecker, a single parent who gets my adventure fix as a mountain biking coach. I'm also the founder of Your One Amazing Life, which is dedicated to helping you bring more joy into your life through simple, intentional actions that make a big difference in the long run. And I'm Lindsay Carlson, a solo parent who left an abusive relationship to start a new life. I now enjoy running my own company, Mighty Inc. Marketing. We work with visionary businesses who want to stand out, get known, and serve more of their perfect clients. We've both been single parents for more than a decade, which means we've made our share of mistakes and learned a few things along the way. What stands out for us is the value of community, inspiration, and support to create a life you love no matter what the world throws at you. And that's what this podcast is all about. So listen in get inspired, and leave a review so other single parents can find it too. And sign up at singleandmighty.com for bonus resources and special news. All right, let's get into today's episode. Today we're talking to Torlando. Torlando became a single father during COVID or just prior to COVID. Hey, Torlando. And uh, yeah, so tell us a bit about your single parent story and what your journey has been and and some of the things that came up for you during that time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I uh, had, I I originally got married in in 2013 and um, we had two girls and then, um, you know, headed into 2020, um, actually like 20, it was 2019, the day before my birthday, my, uh, ex-wife told me that she was leaving and, uh, nice birthday was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's never a good timing, but the day before your birthday, ouch. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty brutal. I remember at that time I was, uh, you know, pretty, heavily involved in, in church and I was in the leadership position and mm-hmm. I was uh, conducting a meeting and, and I just remember seeing her being looking pretty upset, you know, in the, in the pews. And then after church was over, she was gone. I had the girls there and I went into my uh, Bishop's office and he was just like, Oh, you know, like come to my house. And I was like, okay, like what's going on. And, and, um, you know, as I, I, called her up and I was like, what is happening? Like, where are you? And she's like, Oh, he didn't tell you. I'm like, no, what what, would tell me what? And she's like, Oh, I'm not coming home. You know? And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty devastating. So, uh, yeah. So it was just, I was just kind of blindsided by, I didn't really see it coming. I didn't, you know, I knew, I knew that things were heavy. I knew that they were turbulent. I think I had, just kind of gotten used to it to a degree that I, you know, kind of thought that it maybe it was normal or just part of being in a, in a relationship. But there was, 
there was some other stuff that was just going on. But anyways, I, I went into the office. I was running a company at the time. And I said, I told my team, I said, I'm going to take a leave of absence and, you know, just to take care of my kids for a minute. And because, uh, you know, she had been a stay at home mom and, uh, you know, so we didn't have childcare lined up. She had already planned to get a job. So she was like starting work the next day. And so, um, she kind of left you, you hanging. Know, <laughs> yeah. Throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. And that was, yeah. 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 So I took, I took about three months off, uh, of the, you know, from work and, you know, things were, um, running okay, not great, but they were, they were going, they were running and, and my team really, you know, you know, did a good job of, of sustaining as, as long as they could. And then, and then I kind of halfway came back to work and, um, you know, people were like, are you okay? And I'm like, I think I'm going to be okay. I think I'm going to make it, you know, it's like stepping out of a cave in the sun is just like blinding you. And I'm like, hey, I think I'm, I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Stumbling uh, forward. yeah. And, uh, they were like, okay, cool. Um, we're not, so we got, we are quitting, but, uh, like the whole team, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, pretty wow. much everybody. Yeah. I went from maybe about 13 to about two. Whoa. Um, gosh. yeah, yeah. In pretty short order. So, you know, it was the kind of thing where, you know, I, any other time in my life, I probably could have dug out of that hole and, and kind of figured things out. But I was just so kind of lost, you know, like I didn't know, if I wanted to still be in the business, I didn't know. I just didn't, I, I was just worried about the girls mostly. I just wanted to make sure that they were okay mm -hmm. more than anything. Um, had finally gotten, you know, found a, a, a daycare for them, but uh, I was just in a daze. And so I just, I, I just thought, you know, I'm talking to a mentor and I said, you know what, I think I need to uh, latch onto somebody else's vision for a minute. I think I need to just, you know, let go of the business. It's been, it was a good run. I ran that company for 12 years, you know, and, and, uh, had, had some successes, had some failures, the whole gamut. And I said, I think I just need to you know, do something else. So I found a job in and started that in January of, uh, 2020, January 20th, 2020 I was there for about a month. And then COVID hit. Oh my <laughs> God. COVID hit. Oh my God. <laughs> That's yeah. a rocky start. Was, if you ever heard yeah. mine, yeah. 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 And then to let me let me just add a little bit more to this. We had been renting, and my my landlord said we're selling the house, and so you have until the end of February to move. Wow. And so, we, oh my god! So okay, so COVID this is hit, like the biggest, and then we had though. to move. <laughs> it's called a pile up, right? You pile one thing on top of the other until it's so big that you don't even know how to get through. That's yeah. amazing. Oh my goodness. So how are you feeling? You must have just not even known which way was up. Yeah, my 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 compass was spinning out of control. And uh, and I really I really didn't didn't know what to do. I I couldn't find anybody to help me move really because we were because uh, we were shut down and so like I found a few right. people like a couple dads and their sons would come by in shifts and like, but they had to move some stuff like separate from me. And, and, uh, you know, yeah, I had my, my support network was just, they were quarantined. They were not able to help at all. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, you took a step back 
from your job? Mm-hmm. I mean, from the company that you're running. And what did you do um, instead of running that company at the time? So I got a job in sales and marketing at a software company. They were a vendor that I had used and I'd known the owner for a long time. And, and, you know, that was something that I had always learned. It's like when you're, when you're in a pinch, even before you get into a pinch list, list out a handful of people that you know, you can call in, in time of, of need. And That's a so I just kind of went down, yeah, I just went <laughs> yeah. down that list and he was one of the people on that list. And I said, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. I just need something simple, you know, to do. And, and, uh, he said, well, we're, you know, we do need to hire a salesperson. And so I started at, you know, just doing sales, but realized that there were no leads and there was no marketing system to speak of no brand. It was, it was a rough shape. So built the marketing program from the ground up, built the sales program for, you know, from the ground up. And it was just nice to be able to find something that I was able to kind of, you know, sink my teeth into during the day and have that low level distraction where the stakes aren't super high and then just kind of go home and, and be there for the girls and, and, you know, figure out how to, you know, how to be alone, you know, after, you know, for the first time in a long time. Sounds like that brought in some stability that you really needed at that time. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's a hard choice to make. I know as entrepreneurs, we sometimes really pride ourselves on the grit that we have and the ability to you know, stick with it no matter what happens, but to make your kids a priority and to call off the business that you're building for a while, that's pretty bold. Yeah, I, it was a very hard decision. I think one thing, that became clear to me is that I, at least for the time, I kind of couldn't care about the problem that we were solving. Mm -hmm. And, and I needed to, I just needed something that I could just like really care about. I needed the outside accountability. Um, Otherwise I would just kind of, you know, spend the day meandering, you know, so I think those were, you know, some of the things that was really important in that. And, and, you know, now that I'm a handful of years, removed from it. I now see that business and my, you know, former marriage and that period of, I just, I really see that as a chapter that has completely closed. And now I'm just kind of in this new, you know, this new walk of life where my business is new. My, you know, my, my, my wife, I have a, a, a wife who I really love and cherish. And, and, you know, it's, it's not to say that you, lose the problems that you had, you know, like some of those, like you're still you, you're still the common denominator, you know, the, the part that was yours to own, you still own it. Yeah. (laughs) In the next relationship. That's a really important thing to recognize, right? Like that you weren't running away from your problems. You weren't running away. You're trying to run away from yourself. It was like, okay, what's, what's essential. What do I need in this moment? And there is, there's a lot of beauty in finding structure when your world feels like it's falling apart, you know, finding something yeah. that can put structure into your life so that you've got, it, it's kind of like a life raft. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I did have one friend, well, I had a, a mentor in my local area that would have me over on Saturday mornings for a little while. And, and that was a day that like the girls were over at their mom's house and, and just a day that I would 
feel really low, you know, just waking up, nobody's in the house. I mean, cause I just, I did not sign up to be a part-time dad. I was here to be a full-time dad. And, you know, I mean, to this day, like I'm just, I'm still mad, you know, I'm still mad that I'm not there every day. I'm mad that like that was, I feel like it was, I do feel like it was taken away from me, you know, and that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I'm moving towards more towards and have been for a while moving more towards, okay, the, the girls aren't here tonight. So we can go on a date, you know, or we can, you know, I can catch up on, you know, some things. So, so I'm moving more towards that, but there are times where I just, it really feels like, man, this, this is something very important to me that was taken from me. And I, I'm upset. Like I, I, I'm mad at that. I'm mad at the universe. I'm mad at life. You know, and I and I'm mad at my ex. You know, and, and I, and, uh, you know, very much so. Especially then, it was just like, what, what is happening? Like, what did I do? Yeah. You know, to deserve all of this. And and so I would just go over there on Saturday mornings, and and of course he had a beautiful house and a beautiful family and all the, you know. So it's like it wasn't easy to be there, but he was very empathetic towards it, and and it was all about figuring out. Okay, let's just take one step. Let's not worry about any other steps today. Let's just mm. take one. What is the one step that we're going to take this week? That's amazing. What an incredible thing. What a gift that that person gave you to be that consistent presence in your life on the, on the darkest days. Mm. That just, that's amazing. And and that, of course, lasted up until COVID. And then, <laughs> yeah, <fair. laughs> then I was on my own. <laughs> then did you hop on Zoom? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, what I will tell you that, you know, the thing that's been a real strength and and what I've, what I've found, because all of the couple friends that I had, all of the, the, you know, the local people, I, I was pretty convinced and I'm still not unconvinced that, you know, that they just pieced out on me because I'll, I'll share just a tiny bit. So, so my ex-wife was prior to, to her leaving, she, she had, you know, a little bit of mental health issues and she had gotten a diagnosis of a borderline personality disorder. And that kind of, you know, sent everyone on a, on a tailspin. And, and what's kind of common with BPD is, is when you're going through a breakup, they'll go on what's called a smear campaign where they'll just kind of tell the entire world and internet and anyone who will listen that you are the worst human being on earth, you know, and and it just, you know, it, it wasn't true. Um, you know, it, it just was, uh, uh, you know, I, and I think, you know, what I, what I started to realize is that if, if you, if you're a person that believed every word that she was saying in that moment, you, you don't know me and you definitely don't know her because it, because it just was, it was just so far from my character and, and who I am and, and, you know, what I, what I represent, what I believe in and how I believe behaved in, in, you know, one-on-one, but at the same time, you know, it was such a strong, um, there was such a strong current and, and wave of the, of the me too movement that I didn't want to like detract from, you know? And, And so I didn't really feel like it was the right time for me to say, hold on, like, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't happening. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, this isn't, you know, this is like, oh, like, I'm, you know, there's a lot of stuff that she's writing about that I'm like, 
yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's hard. It's hard to sound credible, right? When you fight against that. Yeah. So I just didn't bother. Like I just, yeah, I just stayed out of it, you know? And, and, and so I, I worry that a lot of those close friends that I had, you know, just kind of looked at that and said, oh, I guess Torlando's a different person. You know, we, we didn't know him. And so Ooh. I just, I didn't have anybody, you know, yeah, and if it, was, it was rough. If they've never been through a divorce, then they they don't know how sideways things can go. And you really do yeah. have to, you know, take anything anyone says when they're going through a divorce with a grain of salt because you're yeah. angry, you're sad. There's there's all of these negative emotions that are happening. And then if you throw in a mental health issue, then you know, that just compounds things. So yeah, yeah that but that must have been really hard for you to see, you know, see these things being said, not knowing whether people were believing it or not. And then additionally, COVID, people were separating anyways, like relationships changed dramatically during that time. So totally, you know, could you, yeah. could you really possibly hard. feel more alone at any yeah. moment really in hard your life? Yeah. And I just want to say, like, I think that's so true. And it's also important not to gloss over how those smear campaigns work when someone has a diagnosis like that. Cause I went through a very, very similar experience. And so somebody that's capable of, in my situation, it was violence in the relationship mm. when they're, when they're like that, they'll do anything to fight. And I don't know, my ex was taking out websites and putting up negative things just to get on Google so that he oh, could geez. trash my business. Oh, um, and I know that this is part of that covert kind of destroying the other person profile. So yeah, really important to talk about the fact that this does happen. And so people can realize that they need to sift through um, those loud things that eventually die down. And yeah, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, I remember, I remember getting, you know, and, and when you, you know, when you haven't dated for a long time and you try to date now, it's like such a different universe, you know? So you get on these dating apps and you're like, oh, this is miserable, but well, let's try it anyway. I, I remember meeting people who are like, oh, wait a second. Where's, was such and so your ex? And I'm like, yeah. And they're just like, I can't have, you know, we're oh, friends on man. Facebook and I've seen what she said about you. And it's like, wow. Oh, well, yeah. you know, like I, I had to, I think what the hardest part for me, especially, you know, just kind of within the, like coming from within the relationship, the type of relationship that was, is learning how to self-validate and, and learning how to self-validate in a way that doesn't like feel like narcissism in a lot of ways. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or knock other people the, down in order to build right, yourself yeah. up. Right, yeah. Right, right. Which I, I, that's, that's certainly not in my nature. I, I think the self-validation is like you have to be able to sit there and 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 hear somebody actively and just like willfully tell you that your reality isn't what you're experiencing and you and you have to be able to say i'm okay with my reality i'm okay with i accept my reality then even if it's not yours like i accept it and and that like I think for me during that, during my former marriage, I was consistently conforming my perception of reality to hers, mm. you know? So I would believe, I would start to believe, 
you know, and I, and I remember going uh, to this one uh, place where, you know, she had, she had gone to this like support center and, and now it's just like wild to me. Like, why, why are you here? Like, it does, I, like, I have no idea what's going on. And, you know, this lady comes out, walks me over to a park at least. And I'm like, why are we walking to a park? And she's like, well, you know, some people, you know, put in bomb through something. What, a bomb through? What, what is going on? And she referred me to like a, uh, a therapist that deals specifically with men who batter women. And I'm, and I'm sitting there like, Oh, I guess I need it. I guess I need to go to this guy. And, but then I, you know, I zoom out and I'm like, what? Like, this isn't, <laughs> what is happening? Like, I don't know. This is not anything close to what was happening. You know, it's, it's just so, so it's such a weird place to be. So what did that, yeah. what did the self-validation look like in practical terms? Um, you know, trying to build yourself back up from abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it just, at the, at the, at the baseline, it, it had to say like, okay, in this instance, I do believe myself. Like I believe you know, I, I believe myself. I don't, I don't believe the things that she's said about me. I don't believe the things that she said to me. You know, I, I have to, I have to believe myself and I have to be okay with that. And, and again, it was such a, a hard time to be in that space because it was hashtag believe women. And, yeah. and I, and I'm like, amen, <laughs> you know, let's believe women, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I have to believe you know, I, I guess I have to believe these things about myself and I have to examine myself and I have to, you know, accept the things that I'm doing that are, that are bad and that, you know, make me bad. And, and like, that was kind of where I was headed. And so I did go to therapy and, you know, and I, and I relayed what was happening. I, and I wasn't very intentional about being, you know, very honest and clear and not self-saving and just, you know, really saying what I remember, even if it was going to be embarrassing, even if I did say something that I'm not proud of, I would say, this is what I said. I would Sorry show that. Yeah. I would show the text messages. I did, you know, I did the same with my lawyer. It's like, this is, this is what was said. This is the string of text messages. And after a while, when they're, when the other person is sitting there and they're reading these text messages and it's like, Whole, you know, like what on the earth? dissonance, right? Yeah. What's real and what is being, yeah. It's like, you start forward. to, you start to, you know, you start to get that encouragement to say, you know what, even in the context of the, you know, the, the, the social climate, it is still possible for, you know, the shoe to be on the other foot it is still possible for me to, you know, be, be a, a victim of, of, uh, emotional abuse and, to also not handle it well all the time, you know, and um, right, yeah. right. You won't be a saint if you're always being traumatized by someone else's gaslighting and different behaviors. You're, right. it's going to drive you a little crazy. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. So therapy was good. I found a support group online that was really helpful, especially you know with with mental illness. There are certain support groups for partners of those with mental illness. And, and one of those groups was particularly helpful. And then, and then I just, you know, the interesting thing about the COVID is that it did kind of expand our, you know, geographic reach in ways that I could start to meet people who weren't local, who weren't 
directly connected, who didn't know the inside and out and who could have kind of this, you know, outside view of like, okay, I'm, I'm meeting Torlando. Uh, this is who I'm, who I'm understanding him to be. And, um, and so there, there are a handful of people that I had met and we would develop phone call relationships where we call each other. And, uh, you know, especially those who had gone through divorce, th- those folks in particular just kind of understood more than others what I was going through. I think it's a good strategy for, you know, if you're dealing with something and you feel like nobody around you understands. I also found an online forum when I began understanding what I was going through. And because there's so many people who are experiencing something similar, you begin to see, maybe this isn't happening in my neighborhood that I can find it, but it's, right. it's happening and there are people I can talk to about it. Yeah. That, you know, that Facebook group, um, you know, I'm uh, this, at this point, I'm, you know, not really involved in, in the group as much, you know, cause it's just not as close as it, as it was. But at the time, I just remember reading other people's stories of, of their encounters and simultaneously thinking this is an out of control scenario. And I can't, it's almost hard to believe it's also something that I very much relate to. Like I have, I could tell a story exactly like this and it would sound just as unbelievable, but this is what I was experiencing. And so there was this, there was kind of a a safe haven in, in being able to talk openly in a forum that is private because I didn't have to worry about people who knew us both now just thinking that, oh, Torlando's just trying to get his retribution here. He's just trying to like, you know, counter smear or something like that. And I'm like, no, that's not my intent. I just don't have anybody to talk to about this, <laughs> you know, and I don't feel like I can say anything about it. So like here I at least can. And everybody in that group, you know, male or female, gay, straight, trans, whatever, they're all like, yeah, we have a partner that is like this and we know what you're going through. That's what's so striking about it. Abuse and all the different flavors and shades that it comes in. The patterns are so repetitive. You can recognize them. And yet, if you're not involved in learning about them, it seems so strange when those things happen. So to your regular average kind of person on the street, they might not have a clue. But when you start doing a deep dive, it's the same pattern over and over and over again for, for people everywhere. Yeah. It's really something. Yeah. And it's hard not to find that again, you know, when you're repeat the same relationship, out. you mean? Yeah. 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 For sure. Cause it's what's, yeah. what's familiar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. There was a couple books that I read, you know, at the time that I think were very helpful. Codependent No More was was one that was really important for me. Um, and, you know, for if there are any anybody that, you know, has a partner with BPD, there's a book called How to Stop Walking on Eggshells. That's I've, I've never felt more heard in a book in my life than, than after reading awesome. that book. Awesome. I think you're right. I think it's extremely hard to defend yourself out in the world when that happens to you and you have to find your sense of self and rebuild from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. And then let people take what they're going to take from that. And sometimes it might mean finding a whole new network of people. 
to connect with, to support you, which feels rotten, right? Like that you're, you're not the person who's been hurting someone else. And yet you're the one who loses out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and people have been, you know, there've been a couple of people who have at least been kind enough to, you know, express the the doubt that they unfortunately carry about me. And I, I remember a, a friend reached out and said, Hey, you want to hang out? And I said, yeah, thanks for, you know, asking me and came out and, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of like you have to just kind of walk behind these grenades and then just kind of gently put the pin back in hope mm. that it doesn't explode everywhere. It's <laughs> so, a good visual. <laughs> yeah. That sounds stressful. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I remember having this conversation on a friend's front porch and, and he was just like, yeah, I mean, we, we see the things that she's posting and, you know, it's like, gosh, I don't, I don't think that Torlando would be capable of that, but unless there's something I don't know. And, and that's the mentality. That's what, that's what happens. And that's what you, you end up living with when, you know, when people go on smear campaigns like that. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you were able to see more of the truth about yourself. And I don't know about you, but coming out of a nasty relationship, I, I changed a lot of my thinking and behaviors and because they were impacted by what was going on in the relationship. And then I became more of the person I wanted to be, but it was a process. And it sounds like you've had your own process and you're married now to someone new. Congratulations on that. That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably another, you know, hour long conversation about, you know, going through that process. But, you know, I I think what, what was important to me when I started dating again was to, you know, recognize first that I'm not going to all of a sudden find somebody who is um, perfect or the, you know, the exact opposite. And, you know, there was, I've, I've had a couple of relationships where I was like, that was the intention. I was like, I need to find somebody that's like, you know, night and day. And I just didn't have, we just didn't have anything in common, you know? And so I, what I really had to, I I couldn't date from the perspective of, you know, I need something that's different than my marriage. I had to, I had to date from the, right. I had to date from the perspective of, okay, I'm, I'm getting healthy as an individual. I have things that are, I'm going to be carrying with me to this relationship. I do have a, a a strong dose of PTSD. Like I, to this day, I have a hard time with hard conversations that it does. It's, I don't feel safe. Don't do well. I don't, I don't. That is, that is a burden that my wife is dealing with consistently because it's just so easy for me to get flustered and to need to take a break and to just like not stay in a tough conversation. But I, I knew when I started dating that if I didn't get to some level of personal psychological health, uh, if I didn't work on myself to a degree that, you know, I was over my ex completely, just completely not interested, Mm -hmm. you know, do not pass go, do not collect $200 on that relationship. I knew that if I didn't clear out 
room in my heart for somebody new completely, that there would always be that, you know, that piece. So I, I really had to just kind of completely let go and move on. And I moved, and I think this is kind of difficult to completely understand, but it, it moved from a, a kind of a strong, like, I don't know, not a, not a rage, but just like a really don't like this person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, <laughs> you're allowed, you're it, allowed. it moved yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, but it, it had to in my opinion it had to move from that yes. to apathy mm. you know mm -hmm. absolutely yeah there, there it's it's good to you know feel the anger the sadness all of that stuff and you need to move through it you need yeah. to move through it and get to a better place where you can feel empathy for the other person, empathy, empathy for everybody that's involved, including yourself. Yeah. Or, or at the very, or at the very least apathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean being in the line of fire anymore or, you know, stepping into a, a position where you're walking on eggshells anymore, Yeah, but yeah, just being detached. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I once heard that the, the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. Yeah. Cause if, cause if you hate, then there's still attachment, there's still feelings and emotion yeah. there. And, and it was really important for me to move past the, the, you know, the, the, the anger and to move to a place where I, where I just didn't care as much, you know, I, I'm not her person, you know, if she comes to me with a, with a problem you know, I'm like, that sucks, but I, I can't do anything about it. It's not, I'm not your person, you know? And, and that I really needed to get to that point before, um, mm. I would consider dating. Yeah. 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 And that's not easy, especially when you do have contact and you're sharing children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that makes it consistently difficult. Yeah. yeah it's very different yeah. than if you're, you know, if you don't have children, you break up, you never have to see that person again, you know? Right. Um, you can, can get no contact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there are cases yeah. where and it's, and it's hard for, yeah, totally. And it's, uh, it's hard for my, my wife, you know, to, to navigate, you know, knowing, knowing what I went through. Cause I, you know, I don't hold back, you know, with my wife, I tell her exactly what happened. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to navigate the co-parenting relationship when, mm -hmm. You know, you've kind of done it in a way where you've, you've, you know, you've sh shared the ugly and it's like, you know, well, now we all have to deal with it, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a difficult process, you know, to bring somebody else in and, and to yeah. make them feel like they're part of this. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to navigate blended family, but, you know, I think that for me, the, the, again, the most important part is just making sure that. I'm trying to remain as healthy as I can throughout it, you know, and, and be the, be the best partner. And I, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get it right all the time, you know, but None of I'm us trying. Does, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I, I would love to say that I'm perfect, <laughs> but I have plenty of, Oh, you kind of, I are. have plenty of people around me who will remind me that no, in fact, I am not. <laughs> they love me. They love the imperfect version that I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think that's a whole nother conversation. I think you're right, Torlando, is the the dating and the dating after divorce, but also the dating after abuse, because I can see that there is a slightly different level 
and then the blended family stuff. So we'll have to we'll have to continue the conversation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We do have a lightning round with a few questions before we let you go. Yeah, so right we thought on. maybe we could kick that off. Let's do it. Do you want me to start? Go for it, Carmel. Okay, so finish this sentence. Single parenting is. Single parenting is the worst. <laughs> no, I can't say that. <laughs> no, it's 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 hard. Single parenting is really hard. But what I will say is that there were certain moments where those memories will stay with me forever and they will be good memories. Mm, I love that. What is one of the best pieces of advice or worst, you could even say worst pieces of advice that you had through this journey of of divorce and single parenting and then finding love again? You know, I'm recalling a time where I was meeting with a guy that I, that I met through an industry event. And he said that when you're, when you're with somebody that has really high emotions, you know, in, in particular, like a, like a relationship that we're talking about, codependent relationships, it's kind of like what people need, what you get used to. It's like going to a fairground where you have the mallet and it, you hit the mallet and the bell, it hits the bell. What happens when your relationship is, is turbulent is that that bell just keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And so anything to give you excitement, feeling, joy, pain, sorrow, you have to hit the mallet harder and harder and harder because the bell just keeps getting higher. And post-divorce, post-being in a, in a, a turbulent relationship, you kind of have to let that bell go down a little bit, a little bit to a normal level. So that when you hit it, it just, it just hits here. And, and so you got to think about that in terms of both the, the fun and the, the negative, you know, what he said, he was like, look, um, the person who goes out and has two drinks and then goes home, they're not fun. They're, they're boring, but they're healthy. The person who keeps drinking all night, they're fun, but they're not healthy. Right. And so you have to get used to your bell just kind of being a little bit lower it's got it's just got to come down wow it's wow. a good one mm-hmm. really good image really great and i think some of those relationships might feel like you're at the carnival with all the stuff going on and the <laughs> bell is really high and you don't want to leave right yeah, yeah really different when you get into a, a healthier state of mind or a healthier relationship yeah. yeah that's a good one okay what's your top quality in a friend um, I think that for me, my, my top quality in a friend is somebody who will listen and remain curious. Um, you know, they, they, they're not going to debate you and tell you that your perspective is wrong. They're going to, they're more likely to say, that's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. Mm. Yes. Mm. I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. A really good one. Well, Torlando, thank you so much for sharing your story and walking down that road with us. It was an emotional road. So thanks for being so open today. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to anybody who's kind of in the early stages of it, hang in there, takes a year or two, but 
you'll feel like you again. <laughs> Before you leave, we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician, Laura Kosh, who wrote our intro and outro music. Laura is the singer songwriter for the band, The Quirks, and you can find them online at The Quirks, K-W-E-R-K-S.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening. Wow. Thank you.